Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common. Go head-to-head to see which one does it better on this week's episodes. In the red corner... It's a case of share and share alike, as Elisa Silverstone plans go awry after she attempts to turn Brittany Murphy's new girl into a clone of herself. I mean, as if. Also, Paul Rudd may be an immortal. We're heading back to that heady summer of 1995 for Clueless. So, okay, like right now, for example, the Hadians need to come to America. But some people are all, what about the strain on our resources? And it's like, when I had this garden party for my father's birthday, right? People came that, like, did not RSVP. So I was, like, totally bugging. I had to haul ass to the kitchen, squish in extra place settings, and, like, people were on mismatched chairs and all. But by the end of the day, it was like, the more, the merrier. And so, if the government could just get to the kitchen, rearrange some things, we could certainly party with the Hadians. Wow. While in the blue corner, anything Jane Austen can do, Shakespeare can do better, as the bard gets a teen adaptation as Heath Ledger's bad boy attempts to woo Julia Stiles' angry girl for money. We're in Seattle to see how the dust settles in 1999's 10 Things I Hate About You. Her sister, Kat, is something else entirely. People perceive you as somewhat tempestuous. Which is the term used most often? The only thing they have in common. I am the only girl in school who's not dating. Oh, no, you're not. Your sister doesn't date. Is one simple rule. Okay, you can date when she does. But she's a mutant. What if she never dates? And you'll never date. Oh, I like that. So, what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. Anything happens to my daughter, I got a 45 and a shovel. I doubt anybody would miss you. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. How are you both? Yeah, all right. Uh, all right. All right. All right. Victoria, uh, 
This is an incredible outfit. <laughs> do you like it? I, I do. These are a, it's a kind of, a, a, am I calling them dungarees or a jumpsuit? It's a, sl- a jumpsuit. It's a jumpsuit, yeah. right. Very nice. Thanks. Very pastely. It's, yeah, it's very pastely, isn't very it? Pastely, yeah. 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 I look a little bit like a children's TV presenter, but I think that's okay. That is the look you were going for. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, an old scary one. <laughs> <laughs> Sort of one who's on like maybe a, a celebrity like a rehab show. Tour. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like a shit love island, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And how are you, Chris? All right. Great stuff. Let's get straight into this then. This week's clash: Clueless versus Ten Things I Hate About You. These were Victoria's choices. Victoria, you sprang this on us. There was no discussion. Normally, we discuss potentially what the choices might yeah, be. Yeah, I got mad at you for some reason. Can't remember what it was. Right. And then I said, "You just wait," mm. and then you've got to watch two rom coms. So this was a grudge in the making, really. <laughs> well, yeah, but I have wanted to talk about them for a long time. I love both these films very, very much. And it was a listener suggestion. So I do have legitimacy. Who, who, sorry, who are the listeners? Don't know. Brilliant. Uh, I said <laughs> it at the end of the last episode, so thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, hello, Sam Turner Blythe. Thank you for suggesting <laughs> Clueless versus 10 Things I Hate About awesome. You. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, Cassie Watson also suggested it. We had it twice. Perfect. So let's uh, remind ourselves of the clue you gave us on last week's show. Um, anything a classic text can do, the 90s can do better. <laughs> Which confused me because I thought you were talking about phone text. You're so millennial. <laughs> yeah. What? No. And uh, what did you follow that up with on Twitter, Chris? Uh, that we were doing an overprotective, overprotective dad double. Yeah, we were. So the clues that led to some clued up guesses on our Twitter. We are at ClashPod, also on Instagram, at ClashPod. Katie said, please let it be 10 things I hate about you and Clueless yeah! so I can relive my teenage years. See? There's an, there's an audience for it. That's two people. <laughs> and one of them's on the show. Uh, also getting it right, Daniel Flynn, congratulations. Frank B, Camillo, Anthony M. Rose says, 10 things I hate about you versus Clueless. I might start fast forwarding to the clue as soon as the pod comes out, then listening to the rest at my leisure because I'm never going to win one of these. Correct, Anthony, you are not the winner this week. Uh, Russ, uh, neither are you. He says, Clueless versus 10 things I hate about you. I'm Gary and so is my wife. (laughs) (laughs) But as it turns out, it's not Gary or Gary or Gary or Andrew Logan winning this week. (laughs) Holy moly. Congratulations, Welsh and elsewhere. Who was the first correct answer this week at 7.39am on the morning of last week's Monday episode release, even before... The Twitter clue. I will say though, although he's not called Gary, he is called Gavin. <laughs> it's not that far off. <laughs> I like to believe Gavin, aka Welsh and elsewhere, didn't have to be awake at that time, but set their alarm to finally release the guesses section <laughs> from the Gary and Andrew Logan stranglehold that it's been in <laughs> for what feels like an eternity. So thank you, Gavin. That's much appreciated. Let's do the connection section. What have you got? I've got loads. Um, are you going to a party? Wear a tiny red dress. Um, awkward car rides where the man you're in the car with is like, you must be into me because of some bullshit. So like, are you nice to me? So you must be into me. I've been nice to you. So you must be into me. <laughs> you like these movies? Touched, yeah, I do. I do. Touched a nerve. <laughs> <laughs> I was leaning over to get a sweet. <laughs> uh, going to a party. Be careful not to bash your head in. That's all I've got. Mm. Always making sure girls aren't concussed. Yeah. Mm, uh, punk rock bands on the soundtrack that have a female vocalist with blonde hair. No doubt. Uh, just a girl <laughs> in Clueless. And Letters to Cleo performing a cover of Cheap Tricks, I Want You to Want Me in 10 Things. Um, everybody seems to live in a castle. 
Yeah. The houses are ridiculous. It, it, they both have that sort of white, rich, privileged John Hughes vision of mm. middle class, r- upper middle class America. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, rich teenagers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say the title in both movies. Yes. Why do they say it in 10 Things I Hate About You? It's the poem. poem. At the end. It's the climax. climax It's the finale. She's like, this is 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she cries, apparently, spontaneously. Really good crier. Good cry acting. Mm. Uh, Both spawned TV spin-offs. Yeah, one lasted a little bit longer than the other. Uh, Cleeks, both uh, have cleeks oh, that, that are announced. Um, obviously, I've never heard of the Coffee Kids. I don't know if that's no. a real clique. Because it's Seattle, maybe. I don't know, whatever. Both movies quote Shakespeare. Yes. Mm. Uh, Marcia Ross. Marcia Ross was the casting director on both these films and a very good casting director she is too because the casting is very good. Anymore? No. No. Older than you think, Stacey Dash, uh, who plays Dion, was 27 playing 15 in Clueless, and Gabrielle Union was 26 playing Chastity, who was 15 in 10 Things. And finally, I know this is a bit of a weird one, but Clueless is a link because the writers of 10 Things I Hate About You, Kirsten Smith and Karen McCullough, said they got the idea for their movie after seeing the success of Clueless a few years prior. They said, we knew we wanted to write a teen movie, and when Clueless came out, we thought Amy Helkeling was a genius for contemporising a classic. So we decided to try that as well. And look out for me saying that again on Thursday when it's my turn to talk about 10 Things I Hate About You. Mm. (laughs) Okay, good. Right, so Thursday, Chris will be listing the things he hates, but today I've got all clued up, and the fun and frothy Clueless is my movie. Let me take you on a light-hearted, gag-filled, feel-good journey. Superficial, vacuous and vapid acolyte of consumerism, Cher Horowitz is our hero. She's a wealthy 15-year-old Beverly Hills native who lacks a basic understanding of anything outside her privileged sphere and lives in a massive mansion with her dad, Mel, who gets $500 an hour as a shit-hot lawyer and uses that money to paper over the cracks of being an emotionally distant father, while, for reasons that are suspiciously left unclear, keeping their housekeeper in a state of constant fear. (laughs) The meanie. Cher shares her dad's gift for manipulation and after getting poor grades at school goes about toying with the hearts of the lonely teachers for personal gain before turning her attention to new girl Ty and steamrolling all the goodness out of her until she becomes Cher's monstrous duplicate. Cher then gets off with her brother. The end. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, for your consideration, <laughs> Clueless. If Paul Rudd was my brother, I might get off with him. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> If I found any immortal, I'd get off with them. <laughs> How was that? What did you do last night? Got off with an immortal. Yeah. Uh, if you think that was a little bit mean, I, upon, I just want to back this up. Upon reading the script for the very first time, Alicia Silverstone uh, said, I thought, who's this girl? I had nothing in common with her at all. I thought she was a materialistic, annoying little bitch. So wow. that's her words, not mine. Individual histories uh, with this film. Let's start uh, with the fan. <laughs> I've seen it about a million times. Mm. So you talk about like your duvet day movies, don't you? Like, what's your favourite one? Independence Day, something like that. Independence Day, but mainly Avengers: Infinity War. And if I've got time uh, and I'm still awake, Endgame. <laughs> right, so right. So weird. <laughs> that is weird. This is my duvet film, so it makes me feel better mm. when I'm feeling edgy. Our producer over. Blondine just said she's seen this movie about ten times. Yeah. She's really excited about this episode and I promise to try and be gentle. Yeah, 
And I just thought, you know, yeah, so I have a lot of love for it and I find myself, um, but the first time I ever saw it was on a German exchange trip. So I saw, I don't speak German. I don't know what I was doing on a German exchange trip, but I was, um, and I saw it in German. Did you take German? I No, it's, it's very boring. I was, just, I was going, I was sort of coaxed onto the trip to try and make me love the language more. And then I came back and said, no, I'm just going to do drama because it's easy. It's not a language that's easy to love. No, I mean, it's, yeah, it is. I think it's very poetic and mellifluous. German? Mm-hmm, French is. All right. Italian, maybe. German's quite a harsh language. I think that's a, I think that's a stereotype. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, so I saw it in German. I was like, this looks fun. And then I saw it about a thousand times more. And when I still... That's this, das! <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> You're screaming. <laughs> Whenever I don't like someone, in my head, I can't help it. I don't say it out loud, but I always think, You're a virgin who can't drive. <laughs> always. <laughs> And I say that I only learned to drive in my thirties, but I always think that. Wow, I know. And I was a virgin, so no. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for clarifying, Chris. I'm not sure. I might have seen this in the cinema, and if I did, it was probably because of those Aerosmith videos that starred Alicia Silverstone, mm. which were a bloody big deal in 1993 and 1994. Because music videos were, yeah. I mean, they were bigger budget, those videos, than some films we were watching. But also it's because it was pre-internet. So the fact that you'd wait until Top of the Pops went, we have the new Aerosmith video exclusive coming up, and you'd never seen it before because you hadn't been on YouTube. And they were good. Yeah. I mean, I watched Crying in mm-hmm. preparation for this show. There's a very strange moment in it. Did you watch it again? No. Okay. So Steven Tyler, just before he begins the chorus, I don't know whether he's chewing gum or it's actually just a bit of phlegm, but he goes, he goes, listen... <laughs> and spits on camera <laughs> and then bursts into the chorus. I'm like, that is disgusting, Steven Tyler. <laughs> I think it's weirder that he introduced his daughter in the second <laughs> video doing all weird sexed up stuff. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that might have been the reason I watched it, but also I had seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High by then, which um, Amy Heckling directed, and I was a big fan of that. Uh, and then I think I've I've definitely caught bits of it on telly since, but I clearly haven't been paying enough attention, as I could have sworn Paul Rudd played the gay character in it. Right. That was what was going on in my brain. So I was quite surprised watching it this time when he wasn't Christian. Christian mm-hmm. and Josh were two different people. Okay. He did audition for the gay character, as mm. it turns out, doing my uh, due diligence, but uh, he sort of thought that was quite an interesting character to play. Uh, he also directed... Um, auditioned for um, uh, Donald Faison's character because he read it and he was like, <laughs> this is great. I get this character. It's a white guy who thinks he's mm. black. Right. And he had to be informed that it's actually it's a black role. Yeah. So probably not right for him. <laughs> right. Um, my history with this movie is I watched it when it came out on video in the mid-90s. I liked it. Yeah. I mean, it's clueless. I didn't hate it at all. I will say that I was not enthused about having to rewatch it. I've not. I'm not one of these people that it's not a duvet day movie, movie, duvet day movie for me. But uh, yeah, I just didn't want to see it again. Mm -hmm. I felt it was a time capsule, and I was quite happy it existing in the past. I think for me, I don't know if it's the same for you. Is my nostalgia is for films of the '80s or teen movies where the teens were older than me when they're the same age as me, like these people or even old or a bit slightly younger than me I don't feel the same tinges of nostalgia it doesn't they didn't resonate with me as much it's always kind of looking up towards teen movies rather than down for me yeah and I think that's why certain movies you would never watch now because if the cast is younger than you it feels kind of strange it feels like a kids movie mm. you tend to only watch well, you, movies with you older watch, actors you watch it in a different way like a Lady Bird or a Sing Street I think those are great teen comedies but I'm just watching them in a, I'm watching a, a 
a film about children rather than when you're looking upwards towards the Say Anything people or the John Hughes people. They were like, oh, they're so cool. Mm. I don't think they're as cool when I'm older than them. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I was 15 when this came out, so same age as Cher, which I think is why I liked it so much. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, the production of this movie. So writer and director Amy Heckling, uh, as Chris pointed out, has already had some major success directing Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And look who's talking. One and two, but not three. <laughs> she had nothing to do with three. She took a producer credit. You can't pin three on her. Three is not her fault. She was fine with the talking babies, but as soon as it was a talking dog, she was out, <laughs> out of there. there. Yeah. yeah. She had a meeting with 20th Century Fox. They were like, we want a movie about teenagers, Amy. And Heckling isn't mad about doing another teen movie, but then she hits on the idea of making fun of the in-crowd at a school and develops this character who is always happy. And at this stage, she plans for it to be a TV series called No Worries. And then, uh, because apparently every new draft, this is quite interesting as a writer, Vicky, you'll appreciate this, or maybe not, every new draft that Heckling writes of a script, she renames it. Okay. Weird or not? I'm, I'm, I'm very admiring of it because I'm shit at titles. I'm mm. shit at lots of things, but especially titles. Well, she went from No Worries to I Was a Teenage Teenager. Cool. <laughs> and then Clueless in California. Nice. Which uh, she says was just a play on Sleepless in Seattle, which then gets shortened to Clueless. She loved Jane Austen's novel Emma after reading it at school and upon rereading it, found that this was a way into the world of writing share characters she says she couldn't wait to start writing each day. Oh, so did you read Emma for this? To prep? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Did I have to? Was that part of the test? I've never read it. I, I, I just, I know. I, I've, <laughs> hey, Vicky hasn't read it, but uh, she's not presenting the film, so. <laughs> I mean, it just seems a bit boring. Did you read The Taming uh, of the Shrew? Of course, I read the Wikipedia page of Taming <laughs> of the Shrew from start to finish. You read the cliff notes, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Fox's TV arm eventually go, no, to the TV idea. But at the same time, Heckling's new agent says, yeah, it shouldn't be a TV show. This script is gold. Turn it in to a movie. So Fox go, all right, movie sounds interesting. Let's talk about doing a movie. And then some good and bad stuff happens. Good stuff is that Fox says casting director gives Heckling the video of Alicia Silverstone in Aerosmith's video crying. Heckling realises, boom, she has found her girl. Although Fox aren't convinced that she's the right girl and make her consider a lot of other people. So many people screen tested for... The role of Cher, uh, we have Tiffany Thiessen, Kelly from Saved by the Bell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had a bit of a crush on Kelly when mm, I was yeah. She's beautiful. Definitely. Uh, then we had Kerry Russell, Angelina Jolie. Wow. Yeah, the casting director said that she was way too knowing for what was needed in Clueless. <laughs> and uh, it was only when the script for Gia came in, she thought, Angelina Jolie's perfect for that. <laughs> you can't be knowing if you're going to be clueless. Hey. Contradiction. Yep. Gwyneth Paltrow was suggested by Fox. Reese Witherspoon as well. Uh, also up for the role of Josh that would eventually go to Paul Rudd. Uh, the casting director at Fox lobbied very hard for Ben Affleck, who weirdly I can see in that role. Mm -hmm. Yes. Ultimately, though, things didn't work out at Fox. Uh, have a listen to some of the issues that they had with heckling script. They said they didn't like the fact it was too much about one female. Yeah. I bet. Do you know what? Shall I just guess what these are going to be? Go for it. Uh, girls don't go to the cinema. Uh, girls aren't funny. It's got too many girls in it. It's about girls. Hmm. Anything else? Uh, yes, actually. <laughs> but that was uh, a part of the list. They wanted Josh to be a bigger part. No shit. Mm. <laughs> uh, he should be living next door and that his mother should be in love with Cher's father 
mainly so they weren't ex-stepbrother and ex-stepsister. <laughs> it is weird, yeah. I'm cool with that. I'm down with that, Fox James. literally said it was very incestuous. It is weird. But is it in Emma? None of us know because we're all stupid, so I don't know. Like... But I believe Amy Heckling's grandparents were stepbrother and sister. Okay. Which is why she wrote into the script. I don't think that's a good enough reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, she, she. I read that article. She said it was very much part of the Jewish ghetto uh, where she grew up. And apparently if an older woman um, is uh, uh, widowed, it's very, it's kind of rude in society there to to leave her to fend for herself. And so it's very natural for her to remarry and then the kids to... Uh, potentially get off with each other on some stairs. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing wrong with this situation here. It's just weird and doesn't really bring anything, I don't think, to the story. Yeah, I remember sort of, I don't think I understood what the actual relationship of a stepbrother and stepsister or ex-stepbrother and stepsister was when I watched this as a kid. And I remember thinking, is this weird? Yeah, me too. But I there's, there's no blood. There's happening. no blood. Re- they're not blood relatives. No. Therefore, you know, it's better than a second cousin, for example. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Anyway, it gets shut down at Fox and it was shopped around a lot of studios uh, to no avail. Uh, Step forward, Scott Rudin, who loves the script and wins a bidding war to get it made at Paramount. Heckling is over the moon because Paramount's parent company, Viacom, own MTV. And she's like, marketing, marketing, marketing. There's our audience. So uh, more casting info from Marcia Ross, who is the new casting director now. They saw Zach Braff for the role of Josh as well. Uh, for Skateboarder Travis, it was between real-life friends Merkin Mayer and Seth Green, who obviously got over the fact that Mayer got it because they still work together on Robot Chicken. Also, Jeremy Renner was uh, very close. He came down to the finals for the role of Travis. Apparently, he was doing a lot of comedy in those days. He was very funny. So you would have had Ant-Man and Hawkeye together. Wouldn't that have been great? Mm. Uh, <laughs> for the role of Murray, Dion's boyfriend, Terence Howard, uh, was up mm-hmm. for it, came very close. And Amy Heckling loved Dave Chappelle in Robin Hood Men in Tights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, granted, he is one of the good things in that otherwise unwatchable Mel Brooks movie. And I say that as a fan of Mel Brooks. Uh, she met with him in New York, but she says uh, Donald had a much more kid-like energy and Dave had a very cynical, grown-up, funny comic kind of thing that I felt was a bit too edgy. Uh, finally, shares dad. Uh, Amy Heckling really wanted, and wouldn't this have been interesting, Harvey Keitel. (laughs) Frightening. That's what she says. She said, I wanted someone who could be really scary and anyone else would be frightened of him apart from his daughter. Well, it's very different to this version where there's real warmth. I can't see humour or warmth exuding from Harvey Keitel. Yeah, when Harvey Keitel says, I've got a 45 (laughs) and a shovel, it feels very different to Dan Hedaya saying it. Uh, They couldn't afford Harvey Keitel. Uh, And you will love this little bit of info, Victoria. They really tried to make it work with Jerry Orbach. Oh, I love him! (laughs) Can you imagine the father from Dirty Dancing and the father from Clueless being the same man? I'd love that. Yeah. Uh, They didn't get in. They couldn't make the schedules work. Uh, So they got Dan Hedaya, which I'm very happy about because I'm a big fan of Dan Hedaya. Finally, Amber was going to be Sarah Michelle Gellar. Uh, It's often reported that she was up for the role of Cher. She wasn't. Uh, She was meant to be Amber, but they couldn't get her contract to work. She couldn't get out of a TV contract. And that is... The casting. Uh, all that's left to mention, really, is that without this movie becoming the huge sleeper hit it did, uh, the teen market probably wouldn't have been reinvigorated in the way it was in the late 90s. So we probably wouldn't have got American Pie or The Craft. But unfortunately, Clueless is undoubtedly 
in some way responsible for Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. <laughs> right. First of all, The Craft, love that film. Mm. American Pie, I love that yeah, film. Yeah, great. Romy and Michelle, love that film. Well, no. You see, one of the worst <laughs> films we've done on the pod. It's not. It is. It's a terrible film. It fucking isn't. It's barely a film. <laughs> right then, shall we go through this movie? Yes, please. Okay. Did you say yes, please, because I went too deep on my uh, research? <laughs> do you, trust me. Do you know why I went quite deep on the research? Because you don't like the film? In, <laughs> in the preamble, it's not because I don't like it. It's because researching this film, I've never seen so many fact lists for one movie on the internet. Mm. It's, just, it's just packed. Yeah. The internet is packed with them. Yeah, BuzzFeed was invented for <laughs> Clueless, wasn't it? <laughs> So we open with a cover of Kim Wilde's Kids in America by Californian punk band The Muffs. Now, I think this is kind of a joke in itself. Yes. Because the original song was about kids in America discovering rock and roll for the first time, being dangerous and rebellious. And here we get it over a montage of cookie cutter fashion victims. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. We meet Cher, played by Alicia Silverstone. I will say, I think she's great in this. Mm -hmm. Mm. I don't think um, I can differentiate her from this role because I can't remember seeing her in anything else. Now, I know she's in Batman and Robin. Oh, yeah. I can't remember seeing her in anything else. No. I can't think of a single Batgirl scene from that film. No. I can, but I know what you mean. You, this, is, this is a star-making term, but it's also one that maybe left her typecast. Mm. Yeah. What's the Batgirl scene you can remember? Just them suiting up. That was because it was the trailer. <laughs> okay. It's still a scene. All right, fine. Um, so, Cher, you, we meet her using a computer program. <gasps> I love the computer! <laughs> Why are you rolling your eyes? Everybody loves well, this we, computer. Well, we've seen it before. <laughs> what, in, in a film? Yes. Okay. In a film that we've covered. Prior to Clueless. Someone invented it in another film. That literally there was a part of the storyline was a character inventing It's this not Demolition Man, is it? Computer closet. Do you remember? No. In what? Single white female. This is Bridget Fonda's invention. <laughs> oh my God, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's so good. Someone... It just, it lit my school up. Like people couldn't believe that this was a thing. Well, it's obviously not a thing, but in a film and everyone's just like, like what? we want that. Like we want that uh, so much. We want a computer for the school as well. It's 1995. Swear to God, yeah, we didn't have much. <laughs> but the thing is, every time I watch that scene, it's like, we, why do we not have that now? What, what on earth are you talking about? Because we don't have that now, really. How do you need that? Do you, do you understand what happens in that scene? Cher is the kind of person that needs a computer program to tell her that yeah. a top and a skirt made of exactly the same fabric <laughs> are a match. <laughs> Yellow as well, not just any old colour. It, it's the same. It, it, they, she's you will, clearly bought them together. This, if you shop at Mac, listeners... Um, the, the makeup shop. The makeup shop. You can do this try on thing where they sort of, <laughs> it's really bad. And like, they photograph your face while you're in front of the, your computer and they just sort of hover lipstick above you. So you're trying to like catch the, <laughs> catch the lipstick and then it like implants onto your lips every single shade. You look fucking amazing. Then you buy it. It doesn't look that good. I, I know where me and Alex are going after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a billion apps that do this now. But surely, I mean, like, I've tried various different hairstyles with various different apps. Have you? Yeah, of course. I see. I I just must be a late adopter. It'd be yeah. cruel if I did that, wouldn't it? Look at the hair you can't have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you look like Max Payne. It's fine. It's brilliant. Uh, so guess how many outfits Cher wears in this film? I don't know. In total. 47. 60. Brilliant. She wears 60 different outfits. Do you know that's more than one outfit every two minutes? Great. 
It's crazy. So we meet a dead male, as I said, a litigator who gets $500 an hour to argue with people, but argues with Cher for free because she's his daughter. I sat up at this point because I will say this, as a 15-year-old, 16-year-old watching this, I obviously didn't realise how sharp this script it's is. It's amazing, yeah. And it's so, so loaded with gags. I actually think the opening probably 10 minutes of this it's crazy because this is a film. So you've got a setup going on. This is sitcom level of yeah. gag writing. You know, your average American sitcom has seven gags per page. So mm-hmm. seven gags a minute. I'd say this isn't far off there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. It's crazy how many there are. Um, so apparently the maid is terrified of him. I don't like that bit. No, it's not nice. It's the implication, because it's never expanded on in a kind of hilarious way, she just sees him coming down the stairs and I guess it's the visual gag of her running off as yeah. he walks down the stairs and we're, you know, it's indicating he's a, a terrifying guy, but it's like, she's your housekeeper, mm-hmm. she works there. I've reasoned it out in my head that she's terrified of him because he hides under the laundry <laughs> and then when she's doing the laundry he pops out and goes boo I think that's a bigger issue yeah do you think that's bigger I, I thought he just he's just an, uh, yeah he was going to get her fired so that's why she's scared uh, of him just yeah, like well a power thing but, but that's what I mean I've made it silly in my head so I can still like Dan Hedaya uh, fair enough yeah to engage with the film yeah have you I ever had that. a cleaner um <laughs> yeah but she wasn't very good so I fired her <laughs> joking wow. that's really bad isn't it but I just didn't want to get into this thing where it's like you have this guilt because you've got the cleaner in the first place but then I was like fuck this you're not very good at this I can, I'm better than this and I'm fucking rubbish she, oh, half the kettle I'll tell you later half the kettle you know when you wipe a surface she mm. wiped half the kettle the front half that you can yeah, see the in front the front half you can see it's like get out <laughs> um, I had a cleaner once and I I had to get rid of her as well she was a, a, an older woman from uh, Georgia the country not the state called I think it was Mia and it just got a bit weird okay like she found out when my birthday was and I'd been out the night before so I was in bed on my birthday about 8 o'clock at night and she wasn't due to come round and I can hear keys in the door and I'm in bed and I sort of jump out of bed and she's opening the door and she's like, hello, Alex, I've come to celebrate your birthday. <laughs> and I was like, what? Well, then you fired her. And she, well, she brought a cake in and then she... would be nice. Well, yeah, I didn't ask her to come around at eight o'clock at night, but sure, she brought a cake, uh, but she didn't have any like candles to put in the cake. So she got loads of tea lights and lit uh, 35 tea lights. I don't... I don't think this really happened. This genuinely I really happened. Did. And placed them at different points in the living room and then made me go around and blow them all out. And then we had a slice <laughs> of cake together and she left. <laughs> but that's not why I got rid of her. And now you're married to that woman. <laughs> I, got, I had to get rid of her in the end because my then girlfriend, we, we came back once and all my clothes had been folded up and put on the bed. And my then girlfriend was like, I can't find my clothes. And eventually she found them. And Mia had got all her clothes and jam them into one leg of her jeans, my, my, my then girlfriend's jeans, rolled up the jeans as small as possible and put them behind the curtain. <laughs> Mia? I don't think Mia was very well. <laughs> yeah. It's just sort of like, we sort of looked at it and it was like, yeah, it's probably... It's time for it to go. Yeah, this isn't <laughs> This great. is a message. <laughs> mm. Anyway, I wonder what she's doing now. Uh, so, uh, Dan Hedaya is great. Love Dan Hedaya. Um, although every time I see Dan Hedaya, I'm reminded of how in the multitude of things that Alien Resurrection gets wrong, killing his character, a Michael Wincott, in the first 20 minutes is the most heinous. Then we get a tune. Just a Girl by No Doubt. 
Beautiful. We meet Stacey Dash. Um, Lauren Hill actually auditioned for that part, but didn't get it. Really? Mm, yeah. Fact. Uh, Dion and Cher are friends because they both know what it's like to have people be jealous of them, which is why the three of us are friends. <laughs> I'm joking. We're not friends. Cher and Dion are both named after singers who now of the past who now do infomercials. I mean, again, the gag rate is insane. So we get shown around the school. Uh, I love the attention to detail in the background of every shot here, especially because it's this Beverly Hills fancy school. All the kids uh, seemingly in the background have casts on their chins and noses yeah. from those jobs and tucks that they've had done. Oh, is that what I... Am I mixing up the films? Because one of them was, the, again, at the time this film was out, this went around my school, like wildfire. It's the poor strips. And it was like, if you have this poor strip, you're just going to, it's going to lift your blackheads. And so everyone was obsessed with them, but we didn't wear them to school, obviously. So that would have been bad. But that's what I thought it was. No, and I still no, thought that. Plastic surgery. Oh, I didn't realise. That's obviously funnier. And the big phones as well. They've all got phones, which was, wouldn't be that funny now, high school students having phones. No. But then that's, a, that's an actual joke. Hmm. Um, we meet Elton, who is a privileged dude who left his cranberry CD in the quad. <laughs> He's a dick. Uh, but you kind of forgive him because he looks like Timothy Shallow. He does, doesn't he? Mm. He is good looking. Very beautiful. But a dick. He is a real dick. Mm. We meet Travis the stoner, Brecken Meyer. We get this debate zine where <laughs> Cher pronounces it Haitians, <laughs> which apparently Alicia Silverstone actually said on the day and it was wrong. It was wrong. She was meant to say Haitians, but she said Haitians. And the script editor started running towards her to correct her. And Amy Heckling sort of put her arm out and was like, no, this is perfect for Cher. She believes that she's right. Uh, Cher then gets bad grades on her report card. Um, Mr. Hall, played by our old friend uh, Wallace Sean Sean uh, from the Princess Bride episode, mm -hmm. uh, fantastic playwrights, went up against uh, Neverending Story. You should listen to that pod. That was a good result. That show. That was one of our good results. Um, so he calls her Horowitz when he's handing her the report card. Yeah. Interesting fact for you. Uh, if you look at that report card, the name on the actual report card is Cher Hamilton. Now, he didn't know what her character's surname was because it was never really announced. So he calls her Horowitz, which he just ad-libbed. And the fact that it says Hamilton on the card was a little joke uh, that everyone thinks Amy Heckling put in as a little Easter egg for Fast Times at Ridgemont High because Jennifer Dyson Lee's character is called Stacey Hamilton. I went deep on this. I hope there's clueless <laughs> fans out there that appreciate these facts. Then we get into the first story, and I mean the first story because this movie has three separate stories that start and end in various acts of the movie. It's very strange. Uh, Cher wants to bump up her grades and figures the way to do this is through some Machiavellian matchmaking with her teacher, <clears throat> Wallace Shawn. Um, we learn what a Betty is <laughs> at this point. That really didn't catch fire. That didn't as much. catch on, did it? It's weird, isn't it? Because you can't think back to when you didn't do the W, the whatever. Yeah. Still do that, really. Yeah. And as if, you cannot drop that. Mm. But she's a total Betty. It's just doesn't, no. Yeah, total Betty and Baldwin didn't catch on well, either. Well, for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very short window where that could be used. 
yeah, apparently there was a book that came out to promote the movie at the time uh, called How to Speak Cluelessly, which I wish I'd seen. Uh, so we meet the immortal Paul Rudd, who just... It's so funny because he's hiding in the fridge at first. Like, he knows back then that he will never age, so that when he pops his head out of the fridge, you're like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, so it's like, who's this handsome man? You mean he's scripting a, a future visual gag? Yeah, 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 because <laughs> it works now, however many years later, and you're like, my God, you're the same. Yeah, it's great. I mean, he is he off killing other immortals during movies? Like between <laughs> movies, he's like, I gotta go do the quickening again. Cause... It's mad. I would love to. I, you know, we should. We probably shouldn't talk about it much more. But he doesn't appear to me to have had work done. I can't see the work. You cannot see the join. So what is his secret? Yeah, it's an interesting one because there's a scene that comes up later where he's he's eating Cheetos, which I argue is probably some of the best acting in this movie. Because he makes it look really natural. Like, he makes it look like he's eaten Cheetos before, which Paul Rudd clearly has never eaten <laughs> to look that good. You don't I fist think, Cheetos into your mouth and look like Paul Rudd. I think Paul Rudd ate Cheetos before he, he got the Marvel gig. No, I don't and believe it. And then stopped. It. It's diet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, yes. Right. Yes, he had to get the, you have to get the Marvel gig. I'll tell you body. what, there is a scene in Clue This where he's got a goatee, really briefly, when he's reading mm. Kerouac. Or he's, yeah, he's on, by the pool. Or William Burroughs or something. And that's the only time I've ever seen him look bad. Is, and he, it, the goatee's then gone, but for a brief moment, he looked like a normal person and he looks bad. <laughs> but then. I had a goatee for a while and I looked pretty good, actually. Okay. Yeah. There was, was a period uh, in time when a goatee was a cool did you thing. Really? Yeah, because I wanted to look like um, Fisher Stevens in. Short circuit. Hackers. <laughs> <laughs> Hackers. <laughs> Jesus, Chris. Yeah. yeah. You know where he played? What does he play? The plague in Hackers. Yeah. I was, you know, uh, anyway, I'm a big fan of Fisher Stevens in Hackers. Let's get back to Clueless. Uh, Cher patronises her teachers, uh, removes Miss Geist's glasses and does undoes her hair without invitation, <laughs> which would piss me off. Yeah. It's overconfident. Can, just a shout out for the name of the actress who plays Miss Geist. Mm, yeah. Twink Kaplan. Mm. I mean, guys, what, what a beautiful name. <laughs> also a producer on the movie and BFF of Amy Heckling. Um, it's a weird, I just, I don't like, it's, there's a strange thing about being touched and not being invited. Like when I was, me and my brother, when we were kids, we used to have this thing where to wind the other up, you'd put your hand as close to their face, like without touching them. And you'd be like, Seamus Nicodemus. <laughs> Which I think was like... Alex is doing this to me while he says those words, by the way. And it was it's like, creepy as hell. It was like, I think we'd watched The Rats of Nim. And so that's where Nicodemus came from. And then shame, instead of just going shame, went shameless. So it was like shameless. See how annoying it is? Because I'm not touching you, so you can't do anything. Shameless, Nicodemus. It's so irritating. Who would get the most wound up? Your James? My little brother. Because he's a baby. <laughs> a win for me. <laughs> And Cher says things like, old people can be so sweet. And you're like, I get I get it. It's a testament to Alicia Silverstone that she makes Cher, she imbues her with this likability because yep. a lot of what she does is fundamentally unlikable. Yeah. And I think the movie script does a really good job early on of setting her up to be a likable character, despite all these attributes that you would normally associate with 
like the uh, plastics in Mean Girls. Yeah, and I think as well, just when it's getting, and as much as I love this film, there are points, especially, I don't love like the misguised storyline. It just feels distracting from what I want to get to. But at the right moment, other things turn up. So just when it's getting annoying, then Ty turns up. And then just later when it's getting annoying, you've got the thing with Josh. So it, it, it knows when it's flagging a bit and then just injects these other elements. But do you not find that weird? Because for me, and well, let's talk about it now. It seems like the Miss Guy story is started and resolved in the first act, then yep. Cher's love affair with uh, Christian is mm-hmm. started and resolved in the second act, as yep. is uh, the Ty and Elton thing. And then the third act is Josh and Cher. So they're sort of like separate three mini arcs as opposed to one overriding arc for the entire film. Yes. Okay. That's You're strange. Right. It is strange, yeah. But then every time I watched this and maybe had that reaction of like, oh, that's a bit odd. I just always thought it was in Emma and so I always forgave it and I don't know if it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to think maybe I should have read Emma. Nah. Well, I mean, I'm, I say that now because it sounds like a responsible thing to say, but I was never going to do it. <laughs> uh, what is clever in all these scenes is that we see Elton because we haven't even got to Ty yet. Ty hasn't been introduced, but in all the scenes where Cher is standing near Elton, very handsy. Elton is. Mm, he's yeah. foreshadowing what he's going to become later. Yeah. So Ty arrives in the form of Brittany Murphy, who they cast immediately after her audition because she was so naturally sweet in real life, which is exactly what they wanted for Ty. And it works because she is so sweet, which makes the old switcheroo later where she's like, you're a virgin who can't drive. Mm-hmm. Even more effective. She's got some brilliant lines. I think she gets some of the best lines. Like when she meets Cher and Dion, and then she just said, and it, no one laughs, and it, it, it's just such a throwaway thing. She's like, oh, I've never had straight friends. It's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> but she means straight, as in not drug users. I, I, you, I've read it both ways over the years, and it's funny either way. It's it's about drug use though, yeah. because she's asking them for pot, and then yeah. she does the weakest joke in the whole script, which is like, you guys have coke here? Yeah, that's mm. weird. And it's still weird now. Mm. Uh, but it is funny she's like, yeah, this is America. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, let's take a very quick break. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right. So, uh, yeah, ties on it. Uh, Cher gives us some advice. Uh, it's all right to spark up a doobie at a party, but it's not okay to get fried all day. Um, <laughs> it's funny. The word... like, do you see the difference? <laughs> it's really funny. The word doobie sent me down a wormhole, uh, which is why these notes uh, gradually get uh, less and less, because I spent a lot of time watching Doobie Duck's disco bus. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say the Doobie Brothers music video, but no. Do you remember it? Yeah, but only because you've just said it. Yeah, that's a... uh, Oh, That's a buried memory. It's all on YouTube. It's insane. Yeah. The the entire concept for the show, someone went in and went, so we got a lot of puppets. Uh, they're all ducks. Oh my god, I'm um, remembering it now. Yeah, and we're just going to have them perform chart hits. Yeah, and, and that's the show. Uh, oh my god, Doobie Ducks Disco Bus. Are, are we in? We are fantastic. Yeah, this costs four pound fifty. <laughs> it's get on YouTube, Doobie Ducks Disco Bus. It's insane. So uh, we see Josh. Uh, oh, sorry. Before that, I was going to go straight on to the next bit, but uh, I thought I'd check in with you. You must be over the moon. Victoria, there's a makeover montage. I know. <laughs> it's brilliant. It. But Ty's like a dog because they're sort of, when they wash her hair, they get all the dye out of her hair and she shakes her head. They treat her like a big fluffy dog. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, what's not funny or acceptable is that Josh makes a sandwich with some ham and mayonnaise, no butter. Would you have butter and mayonnaise? 100% every would time. Would you? I could do either or. I don't, yeah. I could, yeah. Wow. I don't even think I would ever do both, actually. Whoa. Uh, well, that's the end of this. Unless the bread was toasted and then the butter melted, and then I would. Yeah, because you've only got may. Are you putting mayonnaise on both slices of bread, though? Because mayonnaise only belongs on one side, and then you need butter on the other side at least. Oh, God, Otherwise, you've got, you? you got a dry bit of bread that's just going to flop straight off that sandwich. You just saturated it in fat. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what it needs, just a bit of cucumber and then it's fine. It won't stick, Victoria. <laughs> Well, you bite into it, a cucumber will just ping out across California. Yeah. Okay. That first, that top slice of bread with no mayo on it. Someone's eye boom, out. Straight across the room. So uh, Josh and Cher uh, start bickering. We get the, uh, the 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 siege of their their relationship. Cher tries to set tight with Elton. This is the second story because the teacher story is now done. Uh, they go to a party. Um, question. When they arrive at that party, Murray says, this shit is whack. Mm. Now, he means it in the film as in it's good. Yeah. But whack, definitely, because I checked on the Urban Dictionary, (laughs) means shit, like rubbish. So he's going, this shit is rubbish. Okay. So is that a joke, basically, based on the fact that Murray thinks he's cooler than he is? I don't know. No, I don't either. Yeah, I wouldn't overthink it. 
That's what we're doing, Chris. We're overthinking it, though. That's what my analysis of Glues is all about. Me spending way too much time on the internet for the last 48 hours. Uh, this is a big moment. Rolling with the homies. <laughs> That's the only bit that wasn't in German the first time I saw it. <laughs> this is so weird. Because German is quite a harsh language. <laughs> I don't know the German for it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're welcome there anymore, so... I am. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is great. Ty gets knocked out by a flying clog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very funny. Bit of slapstick. The only uh, use of uh, special effects in the movie. That was a stunt clog. Really? The real one didn't look real enough. <laughs> so uh, I think it's computer graphics, that clog. Uh, do you like this party scene? I've got to say, I don't. I, I like the scene for what it does, but it doesn't look like a fun party. No. Nope. And I, and also in 10 Things I Hate About You, I don't think that party looks fun either. Wrong. That party looks freaking awesome. Do you think so? Yes. They're just neither of the films. And you, I love a party scene in films, but neither of them I'm like, oh, I really want to be at that party. You I want her dress. I think her dress is amazing, but that's as far as it goes. What would make it a better party for you? I can't think. I, I don't know. There's nothing wrong. All the components there. It may be the way it's directed. It just maybe it needs to seem a bit more energetic I don't know I just didn't feel like I wanted to be there it seemed quite boring yeah I feel like there feels like a wildness to Bogie Lowenstein's party that isn't here yeah I could imagine trashing Bogie Lowenstein's castle I'd feel bad while I was doing it but I could imagine doing it yeah yeah we once went to a party at a friend's house well someone's house when we were at school and he went crazy. It wasn't even, people weren't even being that ridiculous, but he just got it into his head that people were touching the walls and he was worried that the, uh, the walls would get stained because people's hand marks would be left on the walls. Sure. And forevermore, I just remember him screaming at my friend Dan. He was like, Dan, stop rubbing grease on the walls. <laughs> he wants one of those magic marker white sponge things. Oh, yeah. From the pound shop. Yeah. It would have been absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah, I still don't know what they are. <laughs> Uh, so Elton does not want Ty. Elton wants Cher in a scene that still plays as uncomfortable. And I remember feeling very uncomfortable about it as a 15 year old. Yeah, and it does. It's it's aged well because he's the villain. Um, and I think it, it does. It makes her look good by comparison because she's so innocent. So when he doesn't want Ty, she's she can't quite believe it, and it makes her look really good because she then seems quite sweet rather than. Mean and superficial, mm. I think. Yeah. Harsh having her get mugged afterwards, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a strange scene, that, because it really... What this film doesn't have is any real jeopardy in any sense, because a scene that is someone with a gun to your head, you realise at this point that this film is very much devoid of any kind of reality. Mm -hmm. Because if you have a gun to your head, you don't start going, I'm not, lay not lying down in distress. Mm -hmm. And the voiceover really softens it. So it's a strange scene, which, uh, you know, I think it makes you realise that it's a very superficial movie in that respect, or very devoid of realism. Um, Cher then meets Christian. Mm -hmm. um, I remember loving Christian when yeah. he shows up. I thought he was actually quite cool. He is cool. Yeah. I love that. I, I'm obsessed with the Rat Pack. I've read every book on them. And yeah, I like his look. I like his style. I like his energy. Yeah. I love the fact that he calls her Duchess. It's just such a little thing, but you could see why that would work. Like, it's it's really appealing. And I like the fact that when she finds out the truth about him, there's no confrontation. It's yeah. just, they just sort of naturally move past it and, and are friends. And I, I just think, I think, I think it's really interesting uh, 
way that story plays out. Before she knows uh, that he's gay, though, uh, she does uh, say, I'm going to show a little skin because this reminds boys of being naked and then they think of sex. Mm. I didn't know if that was true or not. I don't know whether that was true. So I um, went on uh, Quora, the question site. Well, I didn't. I typed in. I typed into Google, does showing a lot of skin make boys think of sex? Do you, you not, not know? Do you not just think? Do you not just think about it? <laughs> That's energy. Google is there to do that for me. And That's uh, so weird that you said that. <laughs> are you not a human? <laughs> not if I don't need to be. Fair enough. There are more important things to think about than the answer to this question. If Google's there, anyway, Quora, uh, there was a question that someone had literally asked... What do guys think of girls who show more skin versus girls who don't? I don't want to know the answer to this. I think you do, because the answer that I found came from Debbie, and it is a fascinating answer. Really? Uh, Debbie says, first, it depends where you live. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's that's true. Yeah, God, that's just... (laughs) Fuck, Debbie's right. (laughs) Debbie's great. Uh, Should you live in Hawaii, Southern California, Las Vegas, Florida, and a few other states then showing off your body is more acceptable. But be cautious how you dress at work, school, and always at church. (laughs) Debbie goes on. My son called out his cousin for dressing inappropriately. How do you ever expect to find a decent man to marry you dressing like that? He was 12, she was 19, but he was right. Wow. Oh, my God. (laughs) She was wearing a push-up bra and a very low-cut shirt, and ripped blue jean shorts, which were inappropriate for Wednesday night church. (laughs) (laughs) Debbie isn't finished. When I became a financial auditor, I had learned to dress professionally. Prior to that, I was a slut. Oh, bless you, Debbie. Uh, Then we get to the school dance featuring uh, the brilliant band, the Mighty Mighty Bostons. I know. <laughs> what, what was it with American kids in the 1990s and Scar? Yeah. Like bad Scar. Bad, bad Scar. scar. Mm. Not bad Scar. Mighty Mighty Bostons are great. He was going no, through... No, they're not, Alex. The lead singer was... Uh, knock on, uh, no, um, the impression that I get is a fantastic tune. They don't play it here. <laughs> But it's a, it's a great song. I did watch. I got into watching a lot of videos uh, of them uh, on YouTube, and they, he's mellowed a lot because he's angry with the camera in this. A lot of teeth. Uh, the lead singer frowning, angry, gurning. Uh, but now he seems to have mellowed. He doesn't do that anymore. Uh, I, I will say that in, in all the history of watching gigs in films, I have never seen such a bad stage dive. As the one He's really timid. It's strange, isn't it? He's not convinced that no. those extras can support <laughs> not him. Not at all. He just sort of steps. Yeah, and then he, they sort of lower him really hurriedly yeah, to the like, ground. Get off. <laughs> it's 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 the antithesis of rock and roll. Um, question: I think even as a kid, because uh, uh, a few of my friends had uh, started using uh, narcotics uh, when I was uh, a, a child, and really? I remember watching Christian. Uh, in this moment where he's still dancing at the end of the school prom and thinking, is he Pills. on drugs? Because <laughs> like, it's like the band have stopped, the lights are on, everyone else is falling asleep and he's still dancing. Yeah. Speed, I reckon. Yeah, that would do it. Mm. He's, just, he's just waiting for the guys in the band to finish, yeah, isn't he? Is, yeah. is he? Yeah, he wants to go, he wants the after party with the men. With the, with the men. Ah. With the mighty, mighty boss type. Speed was uh, used in Leeds occasionally by people I knew. I once uh, went to sleep. Uh, my friend was staying over. I once went to sleep and he'd had some speed and he was playing FIFA on the SNES. And I woke up seven hours later and he was still playing FIFA on the SNES. He'd been playing FIFA on the SNES for seven hours. Uh, 
You get a burst of Radiohead, uh, My Iron Lung, which is used along fake plastic trees on the soundtrack. Uh, You've got Christian and Cher having their little rendezvous mm-hmm. on the bed, watching yes. Some Like It Hot and Spartacus. <laughs> Two films I'd actually quite like to do on the podcast sometime. Oh, Versus yeah. each other. <laughs> <laughs> Tricky. The, the link would be clueless. Yeah, but that's fine. Uh, then we find out that Christine's gay, as you said, Chris. All oh, that's fine. Uh, we get a freeway <laughs> driving scene. Uh, no, the way it's dealt with is very Yeah, yeah. Uh, we get a freeway driving scene, uh, which is one of Amy Heckling's favourite scenes Broad. in the whole film. Broad. It fe- you know what that felt? That felt like it was from something like Anchorman. <laughs> the, the, yeah. the escalation was very. It was was ridiculous. It's it's vaguely funny, but it's. I've never been that convinced by it. I understand that they need a moment um, to show that so she's jealous, so Cher can be jealous that she doesn't have a partner. But driving on the freeway, I never really got the tension. Yeah, I don't, and I don't think the physical comedy works here particularly well. I'd say the same about the other film as well. We've had Ty falling down some stairs earlier, which I didn't think was very funny, mm. and then and then this stuff. Mm. I think it's better when it's doing the wordplay than the, the physical stuff. This yeah, film. well, it's in there because uh, heckling. Uh, says it's based on her own fear of driving on the freeway. Uh, she was in a pretty nasty wreck when she was a new driver and she's been terrified ever since. On to the final story, Ty becoming the most popular girl in school and Cher realising she loves Josh while shopping on Rodeo Drive. Uh, so, yeah, Ty goes bad. Mm. <laughs> Tells Travis to get lost, who's been nothing but nice to her till this point. Well, was she bad playing nice or... It, does Ooh. she turn bad? I couldn't really figure out who no. Ty was. She was nice and Cher, the whole point is that Cher turns her into this monster by instilling her with poor values. Right. Okay. Or at least, it's not entirely Cher's <laughs> fault. I think the... Sort her of brush the, with death at the mall though makes her popular. That's the thing. And she gets a taste of what mm. being popular is like and yeah. thinks that you have to maintain that. You have to act in a certain way towards people like Travis. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is true. Yeah. In For you? Do you yeah, think? you... Arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like we, we've touched the nerve here. Was, was there a Travis in your school? I'm just being horrible to you, like Ty. Oh, I see. Right, okay, thanks. Uh, popular. <laughs> I think you probably were more popular than me at school. <laughs> <laughs> well, every week you tell the same story about your school days, so yeah. it's, it's not hard. Mm, okay. Uh, I don't think I've ever told the, the, the amphetamines and FIFA story before. <laughs> That's a new one. Um, right. Uh, Cher goes shopping at Fred Siegel. Uh, have either of you been to Fred Siegel? No. It's one of those shops where you feel like you don't belong there. Okay. It's very fancy. It's a bit like Abercrombie and Fitch. Okay. Have you been there? No, because I don't yes. like their clothes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I went there with a guy who likes shopping at Abercrombie and Fitch. He's a body, he was a bodybuilder who I worked with. Yeah. And whenever we were in the States, we'd have to go there and I'd have to sort of wait for 20 minutes. Holding his t- bag. Tight, while try on tight T-shirts. <laughs> it's, they've got that crazy rule, which I doubt they have anymore, but they used to have three stages of hotness for their staff. Oh, my God. Yeah. So um, the hottest people were allowed to work on the floor. Allowed. And, <laughs> yeah, genuinely, though, and speak to customers. Right. And then the next level of hotness, you were allowed to work on the floor, but you weren't allowed to interact with customers. Great. And the third level of hotness, you worked behind the scenes in the storeroom bringing clothes out. Well, there's, there's that joke in Bad Neighbours, isn't there? Isn't Zac Efron's working there and then <coughs> Seth Rogen's with him, but he's got his, his abs painted on. <laughs> I know that's a joke in, in Bad Neighbours. Isn't it Bad Neighbours too? <laughs> well, whatever. All right. <laughs> We're not being pedantic uh, today. Okay. Um, 
So I was there in Abercrombie and Fitch and I wanted to buy a scarf and I went, I'd like to buy that scarf. And the girl behind the counter went, oh yeah, I'll just um, have someone bring it out for you. And sure enough, the door, like the, one of the shelves open where there was a door to the storeroom and this guy comes out and it, it was it was very much like the Eloy and the Morlocks because he, he came over and I went, oh, that scarf's for me. And he just looked at me and he walked round me, handed it to the girl behind the counter who then went, here's your scarf, sir. He wasn't allowed to hand me the scarf or say anything to me. That's ridiculous. It's, it's awful. No, it's it's quite, really bad. It's quite right. <laughs> you got it. Society has to have rules or we'll break, it'll break down. <laughs> <laughs> What's happened to you today? I've had my vaccine and I'm feeling a bit rough. <laughs> I told you you're going to have to carry me today. Uh, all right, then. Um, here on to uh, the winner final hurdle now. A bit I absolutely do not remember at all from watching it as a kid. Travis mm. ends up going to AA or NA and enters the 12-step yeah. programme. Yeah. It doesn't is... feel like there's an implication earlier on that he's got a genuine problem. Well, he's just a pretty chilled out dude. And so... Yeah, but it doesn't... Is it? I don't know. You tell me you've done so much research. Mm. Um, is it are not... Why would you say that like that? I No, no reason. Well, what are you saying? Are, I... you, are you saying I've done too much research? I'm saying you're covering for the fact that you can't find a nice thing to say about this film. <laughs> With facts. With loads of facts. Yeah. And a story about someone playing SNES for seven hours. <laughs> I dipped into my B-list stories. That yeah. is a B-list story. There's been a lot today. <laughs> not all B-list, but I don't think we've gone off the beaten track quite so much. It's yeah. I'm, I'm down with it. Yeah. I'm, 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 but, but I'm Vicky, all right with it now. Vicky but... wanted to talk about Clueless. Yeah. Sorry, we'll, we'll talk about it. Are you reviewing this show during the show? Uh, that's I've just bumped you down to two stars there, Alex. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> What was I going to say? The film is trying to say drugs are bad. That's yes, all. It has to. Of course. I mean, no, because it's Does a team. It, it, yes, it's a, it'll it's be a an, team. It yeah, someone will have said... A note from the studio. Yeah, we can't accept... Because the drugs thing just sort of peters off. So that's it, putting a button on that saying drugs are bad. <sighs> yeah, fair enough. I just don't think I've ever seen a teen movie where it doesn't have a stoner in it. I agree. And therefore, the, the requirement for it to be... You've got to get on the 12 steps if you smoke a bit of weed. It's like, whoa, that's... Especially after Fast Times at Ridgemont yeah. High 10 years earlier. It is earlier. a bit intense, yeah. I totally agree with your point, Chris, that he hasn't been set up as having a problem. And he once. hasn't, because he does the apology thing, one of the steps, but he hasn't been... I mean, he ruined Cher's shoes, but that's fine. I mean, that's not the end of the world. Well, that's... Apparently, that's the only reason for him to need to go to the... Because <laughs> yeah, he sort of goes, I just want to say yeah. part of my 12 steps <laughs> yeah. thing is to apologise to people. And it's like, that is... People have bigger things. They do. Bigger stories. Mm. Uh, but Brecken Meyer says someone came up to me once and very serious and teary eyed said I just want you to know that when I saw Clueless and I saw Travis decide to go into the 12 step program that's when I decided to get sober oh he ruined my shoes I know, yeah, I know who you're talking about <laughs> uh, Brecken Meyer goes on to say uh, part of me was like wow that's amazing and there was another part of me that said are you serious because I'm pretty sure Travis might have relapsed but I'm happy you found that <laughs> is that Brecken Meyer from Garfield A Tale of Two Kitties it is uh, but more importantly Road Trip that's his big movie oh, set him up there I, la I laid it up for him and yeah. he didn't hit it out of the park yeah. who else is in who Garfield is in A Tale of Two Kitties Alex think? Bill Murray <laughs> oh, wait he, did he do the second rhymes, movie? rhymes with know. Murray <laughs> I'm not saying it. I wouldn't lower myself. I've just, I thought I'd do a nice thing. Yeah, you've done a really nice thing, Chris. All right, Tim Curry's in it. Move on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> for bringing that back. I thought you were letting it die. I just helped me. Well, I do something nice for once. And that completes this week's obligatory <laughs> Tim Curry reference. Out of left field. Brilliant. I love it.
Thank you. Uh, Miss Geist and Mr. Hall get married. Uh, Amy Heckling uh, is actually in the movie as the maid of honour. Who, who's the priest that marries them? No, this is something you should know, Tim Alex. Curry! No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Brecken Meyer. It's Carl Gottlieb. Oh, is it really? Who is? The writer of Jaws. Really? Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Bit of trivia there. Yeah. Um, and then we're pretty much done. Um, Clueless was a box office hit upon its release. 56 million against a $12 million budget. Um, the high school in the film, this lead somewhere, was named after Bronson Olcott, an early proponent of feminism and vegan diets and father of the Little Women author Louise May, Louisa May Olcott. I only mentioned that because I like the sound of uh, this. Elisa Silverstone uh, is now a proponent of uh, being kind to yourself through your diet. She explains how meat, fish, milk and cheese are the very foods that are culprits behind the escalating rates in heart disease and the cause of diet. <sighs> Fucking uh, hell. <laughs> So you can check that out on her website, uh, thekindlife.com. That's Alicia Silverstone's website, thekindlife.com. I've got a funny version of that coming up on Thursday's episode. Great. Thank mm. God. Want to do the bits? Yeah. Great. So what was your best scene, Victoria? Uh, the establishing stuff at the beginning with the voiceover. Ha-ha! <laughs> um, establishing... <laughs> narration? A little bit of cheeky narration. Because a little bit? The entire film well, is no, narrated. I know, yeah, it, it gets a bit much, but the, the, the initial joke of, this is a very privileged world, and what does she say? Like, I'm actually pretty normal for a teenage girl or something like that. So mm. the voiceover is playing with the form, so I will accept it. So just setting the world, that's my favourite bit. I, and, and also the fucking computer hmm. uh, you, you're going to love this because even though I think we have different feelings about the movie the opening uh, is my favourite bit as well <laughs> uh, it takes the film under three minutes to establish Cher's character make her likeable despite everything let you know the tone of the movie and smash through about 30 gags which is pretty damn incredible Chris were you mentioning the fact that there are two radio head songs in it reminded me of the moment where she goes wah 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 <laughs> radio maudlin music <laughs> I love Radiohead but that's really funny uh, but no, for me I like the bit where the fountain squirts when she realises she loves Josh it's just a lovely marriage of, of character and emotion and visual and it's such a cliche that's been done a bunch of times before but it got me so who's your MVW Chris Amy Heckerling because between this and Fast Times in Ridgemont High I think she's maybe even more important to the teen movie than John Hughes that's a big call wow. but I think the influence that Fast Times had on the 80s and this had on the 90s, I think, can't be understated, can't be overstated. If only, if only she'd actually taken up writing and directing Look Who's Talking Now, the talking dog movie could be mm. in a much healthier place than <laughs> I, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. I look at her career after this and it's disappointing she didn't do more cool stuff. Mm. Like, she's so good at this. Victoria. Uh, this, it changes every time I watch it. This time I'm going to give it to Dan Hedaya. Because he's mm. really, really, really funny. Mm. Just he's, he's brilliant. And when the just little moments like when Ty has come around for dinner and yeah. he just wasn't, he's like, get out of my chair yeah. for no reason. <laughs> and he's not really picked up. She's not like, oh, your dad's scary. It's just the way he enters the room. Brilliant. Uh, mine is Paul Rudd because uh, he's just so goddamn likable, both on screen and in person. Yeah, because he says some pretty nasty stuff. Sterilisation. He's he's not very nice oh, to, yeah. to, to share at all. Yeah. 
um, it's that negging he's doing, yeah. you know, putting Adele, a girl down, and she's yeah. like, and it's just, it, it's a bit. And I she's think, so right. She's like, he's not your dad. It's like that really isn't your dad, Paul Rudd. You should go home. So, what the fuck are you doing? So, so, so if Wait. Ben Affleck had played that role, I think it might not have worked because Paul Rudd, even though we didn't know at the time, we were going to love him forever and ever. Yeah. Um, work. That what? is her dad. His dad. So he's round at her house and mm. she's like, go away. Mel isn't your, isn't your dad because he's like, I've come to see my dad or something like that. Is he not her dad, his dad? Oh, oh for oh, fuck's wait, of sake. Course. Sorry, this is why I found it weird as a kid. All right, jeez. <laughs> is this because I didn't really love Clueless, Victoria? No. No, it's fine. Everything's fine. Oh, this is going to rumble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so change. What would you change, Victoria? I don't like the fight at the wedding. Um, and I really don't like it. Uh, so uh, the catch in the bouquet. Yeah, I hate it. Oh. And I would change it. And it's unedifying. It doesn't have the, the self-aware tone that the film manages, which is a really amazing trick to pull off about Cher being hungry. So she is hungry because she's thin. And so, but she's like, oh, I had two mochaccinos and I feel disgusting. And it's playing on that thing about you don't want to eat and to, because, you know, you need to be popular and all that. Uh, and also that her clothes, you know, she finds her clothes uncomfortable. She's like, oh, my party clothes are binding. And it's like, of course they are. Look at them. So, so when she can relax and eat crisps <laughs> with Paul Rudd. And I imagine in her new life with Paul Rudd, she eats crisps all the time. But there's a <laughs> Not moment... Not Cheetos, as far as Alex is concerned. <laughs> Paul Rudd has never touched a Cheeto in about 20 years. Girls fighting for flowers at a wedding, it touches a nerve for me. I hate... The catching the bouquet thing in real life. I hate the fact that it's this performance thing that you're expected to do. Did you not catch it? I've never caught one. Oh. <laughs> See, there's you, always truth. You would have had their teeth knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a moment there to make a joke out of it, like a self-aware, we know this is performance and we know it's ridiculous, but they just fight over flowers and it's really patronising and I don't like it. You've seen that a billion times in a I've billion movies. I've seen it a billion so. times, yeah, but this for this film is so smart that it could do something else with that scene. Okay. Chris, what would you change? I'd also change the ending, as in I'd give the film an ending because it does. It just peters out, I really feel. like it, It's what you said, the lack of stakes, the lack of jeopardy. I think they could have injected some, some kind of plot because... Her kissing Josh is nice, but I just feel, I felt like it just sort of, it goes out with a whimper rather than a bang, the film. And 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 I don't know, combined with that ending, obviously you don't understand the, the stepsister thing that we've been trying to explain to you, but that is weird. Is it not also a bit grim that Paul Rudd's at uni and he wants yeah, to go out with a 16-year-old girl? It's the first time I've thought of it, but she's yeah. only 16. So who how are, old is he going to be in this? Who at you? Eight, eight 19, yeah, 20? Who at uni wants to, it's just, I find, I find that's yeah. grimmer than the stepsister yeah, thing. Yeah, it is weird. Yeah. So and and he didn't have you you didn't have to do either things for either of those things for his character. Yes, you could agreed. have been different. Mm. Uh, my change, I've done them all. It's either the stage dive, Travis going to NA, uh, or the you guys have got Coke here. Lame joke in an otherwise great script. That is clueless done. What? Nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry if I've disappointed you with my reading of Clueless. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. You should have given me ten things I hate about you. I know. I realise that now. Mm. I realise that about a second into you speaking. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll talk about that on Thursday. Right? Should we do a quiz? Let's do a quiz. Let's do a Shakespeare quiz. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm gonna. <laughs> I know what you're doing. You're trying to make me feel like I have a chance here. You're going to know more about Shakespeare than me. We both went to school, so did we? <laughs> it's less. It's more films. I'm going to give you the name of the film, and you've got to tell me the Shakespeare play that it's based upon. Okay. Ran. Akira Kurosawa's Hamlet. Ran. No. A Midsummer Night's Dream. No. no. Uh, Taming of the Shrew. Oh wait, um, Henry V. No. Richard oh, III. It's a really good film. Macbeth. 
No. <laughs> That's all I know. Uh, much Ado About Nothing. It's King Lear. The Tempest. Shit. <laughs> Forbidden Planet. Uh, the Tempest. Correct. No, fuck. <laughs> no! <laughs> West Side Story. Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> the Lion King. Uh, Hamlet. Correct. Fuck off. <laughs> um, the writers of um, 10 Things I Hate About You also wrote She's the Man. Right. Based on a Shakespeare play. Um, Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, Twelfth Night. Correct. Uh, well, I'm correct. Yeah. Yes. Vicky's correct. <laughs> All right. So there's... Let the count of the bag there. <laughs> So there's one left. There's one left, and it's two all. Okay. Okay. Uh, the, the the George Lucas fantasy film that no one's seen with puppets, I think, is our animation. Our strange magic. Macbeth. Othello. No. Oh, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, it's Merchant of Venice. No. Uh, Richard the Third. Henry the Fifth. It is uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. So it's a draw, and it goes to a tiebreaker. <sighs> Shakespeare is the most filmed author in any language. According to the Guinness Book of Records, how many feature-length film and TV versions of Shakespeare have there been? This number isn't as big as I thought it was going to be, but apparently this is the Guinness Book. So whoever gets closest. As I say, it's not as big as I thought you it was going to be. You always go quiet with this. Then you wait for me to pick a number. It's taken me years to figure out this tactic. What are you talking? Wait, uh, Alex, 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 you go first. How do I have to go first? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, 235. So then this is so what I do if I'm you now is I go two hundred higher or one lower, yeah. depending on what you <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two hundred and thirty-four. Alex Wicks! Yeah! <laughs> it's four hundred and ten. That was that was easy, Vicky. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. Nearly double that. Oh no. One of us went to better school. <laughs> You thought there were less, less than 230 Shakespeare adaptations. Yeah, I just it, listed you. To be you. honest, I thought it was about 50. Because, <laughs> you know. Great, yeah. great quiz, Chris. Can I just oh, say? What a wow. great quiz. And it was um, difficult because it required knowledge of literature and cinema. So thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. That's really annoying. This has not been a good show for you or us, Measure, I should say. But, uh, whose fault is that? <laughs> Mine, mine. Uh, right then, um, it's oh god, it's my my picks next week. So big story next week. We have a very special guest coming on uh, our show next week, uh, which is very exciting. And he has, I won't tell you who he is now. I'll tell you on Thursday. Uh, but I will say uh, that he has given me uh, the clue Ooh, to give to you, uh, which is the original Odd Couple and Brian James. Oh, okay. The original Odd Couple and Brian James. That is your clue for next week's pairing. I am very excited. Very excited about next week's pairing. Uh, we'll let you know what they are on Thursday. Uh, Chris will be adding to that clue on Twitter as well. So we are back Thursday with 10 things I hate about you. In the meantime, I'm going to try and give Victoria a, a, a hug if she permits me uh, to say sorry for not living clueless as much as I was supposed to. <laughs> um, please subscribe to us, rate and indeed review us if you have time. It's a great help. Thank you very much. We're on Twitter at ClashPod, on Instagram at ClashPod, back on Thursday. Bye-bye. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network. 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. Mm. 